Hello world, formerly on Anchor and now almost anywhere you can get a podcast. Welcome to Two-Tone Take. My name is Bradley. I am your MC, your fearless leader. Uh, but really, I'm a fan just giving my take, uh, hence the name. And I'm thrilled to be back and recording as we are somehow just weeks away from the 2022 season training camp for the Tennessee Titans. And there's a lot happening. There's going to be a lot happening, certainly, especially once camp begins. Uh, Rookies are going to report on July 23rd. Veterans report on the 26th. And we'll even have some practices open to the public for the first time in a few seasons, which will be fantastic. And we'll, we'll get more into that, especially once camp actually starts, because um, I think it's going to be good to talk about why camp matters, what to look for, maybe who to watch. But in the weeks between now and then, I wanted to start by recapping our previous season Um Really, in a way that's selfish for my own sake, because I think it will be therapeutic. All right. Um, And while I don't believe that it's necessarily about building off of previous seasons, I don't really subscribe to that. Um, As our coach Frabel points out, and I think eloquently says so well, is that, you know, you don't really build off of one season to the next. What you're really doing is each season is its own thing. It's its own story. There's going to be highs and lows specific to each year. Uh, But I think it's important to understand where we're coming from. We certainly have some players that are on the roster this year that have been with us, that were with us last year. And again, this is, you know, a fan perspective podcast. And so I think as a fan, in my mind, I can't help but go from year to year coming in each season, starting fresh, but also there's just that little element in the back of your head that's like, okay, this is kind of how it went before. How's it going to be this time? So, you know, just want to make sure that we don't ignore uh, where we've been. All right. So we're going to talk about that 2021 season. And, and the way we're going to break this down is this. We're going to talk about what went well how we struggled, and then how those aspects impacted the end of our season, uh, which you know somehow still feels too soon to talk about. Uh, but we got to do it. The divisional loss at home versus the Bengals was brutal. It was painful. Um, but you know, not that we're going to go into super great detail on that game per se. But again, just want to talk about where we're coming from. Uh, the, the good news is though. We can start with an overall, right? So we'll dive in here and just start with what went well with that 2021 season. Uh, Just before, though, I don't know what it's like for other fans in terms of expectations. Um, If I'm being completely honest, I try to keep my expectations minimal to non-existent uh, simply because that way you don't get hurt as bad, right? And let's be real, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a Titans fan, which is the ideal market here, if anyone knows what it's like to be hurt, it's us. We've been living with pain for years. So I. that being said, I do think there was reason to expect good things going into this last season, right? So that is part of it. Um, and uh, the breakdown initially, when you just look at it on the surface, was fantastic. We finished 12-5. and five. Right, 12 wins um, during the Mike Vrabel era. That's the most wins that we have had as a team. Granted, the NFL added that extra game because 
Roger Goodell's a bitch and just had to add something else. Uh, but listen, 12 wins is fantastic. We only lost five times. Um, and that's two consecutive seasons of double-digit wins uh, under Coach Rabes, which I think was fantastic. Um, and also something to keep in mind from last season is there were only six teams in the NFL. Mind you, there's 32 total. But only six teams had 12 or more wins. So we were in, you know, arguably elite company. Something to be very proud of. Uh, of course, we won the AFC South. Not really a surprise. We run it. Uh, won the AFC South for the second straight year. And, you know, perhaps perhaps the one part of our season last year that, oddly enough, was maybe the most prideful, if you will, and also the most scrutinized, is we were the number one seed in the AFC. And, you know, I've thought about how much I want to get into that. We'll see uh, how it pans out as we go along here. But that really was remarkable. Um, And I recognize that it came down to that last game that we played against Houston. We had the tiebreaker over Kansas City. But, you know, to end up with that rap sheet, uh, and especially as we go into, you know, how we struggled, considering the things that we overcame, it's really impressive. Um, And this is something that I also wanted to make sure is acknowledged uh, because it's really the foundation, I think, for everything that was just highlighted is Mike Rabel also received Coach of the Year honors. And something that I will be just incredibly transparent about for those listening, you know, is that I, I'm a company man. So when it comes to our current GM, uh, owner, and, and especially Coach Raves, I'm all in. I'm all behind them. I think that what they're doing, how they're doing it, um, has certainly put us back on track to be a contender, and ideally will bring us a Lombardi. Probably more on that in the coming weeks. We'll see, right? But well-deserved, to say the least, um, for, for Vrabes to have coach of the year. So that was fantastic. Now, offensively, you know, when I went back through and looked at things, it was interesting in that as a team, there were only a couple things that stood out. Um and I'm and I'm highlighting that in the sense that offensively, to be honest, it wasn't really a, an amazing year. We did well enough. This is this is kind of what's behind that Vrabes being coach of the year is that we struggled a lot offensively and yet found ways to win games. But one of the highlights from last season was that we had our highest third down percentage uh, in recent years of 44%. Now, I'm not saying 40% sounds great because that actually sounds terrible. Uh, in the world of percentages when, you know, a hundo is the goal. But to have that be higher than previous seasons, obviously, that's huge. Um, really, one of the biggest keys of this last season was we had a six-game win streak weeks five through ten. And that's actually the longest winning streak we have had since Mike Vrabel has taken over as head coach. Now, it's really close. Obviously, we had that 5-0 five, five start in 2020. Um but, but this six-game winning streak from last year was incredible. Um, and it really – I think it really showed the belief that the players have in how the coaches are approaching the game. And it really showed also, I think, the leadership that we've seen from other players as well. Um, now, again, offensively, there wasn't a lot to highlight, okay? Tannehill threw for uh, over 3,700 yards, or rather he had 3,700 yards total. 
not actually his highest, but it was it was good. 21 total touchdowns. And this part was great. And, and you know, again, we'll have time to get more into some topics. I'm very much a Tannehill fan. I think that him coming on when he did, how he did, uh, has certainly been a catalyst um, for us being much more competitive in recent years. He had four game-winning drives last year. Uh, Three of them took place in that final fourth quarter of the game. So for the most part, and I'll emphasize most part, you know, Tannehill remained a very reliable quarterback. And don't want to go off on too many tangents because I want to find ways to maybe do some specific episodes on specific players or topics. I know there's a lot of media opinion out there about Tannehill, and especially after the way last season ended, that he's a great game manager, but he's not the guy. He's not going to bring us a Super Bowl. Um, I'll be honest, I disagree with that. We'll get more into that at some point. Um, Just highlighting some of the things that went well, right? Now, Derrick Henry, and I mean, wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, you know, just take a moment to appreciate Derrick Henry. Uh, he finished the season with almost a thousand yards, and of course, he didn't even play the full season. So more on that soon. But 937 yards, 10 touchdowns, 154 receiving yards. So I think one of the things that was fantastic to see last season that we hadn't really seen previously as much was Derrick Henry in the passing game. I want to say that it was during training camp last year maybe especially once we got into preseason and then you know preparing for the regular season that you started to hear more and more talk from you know offensive coordinator and like just the team itself that like you know getting Derrick Henry more involved in the passing game was something that they wanted to do and they did um and again it's going to be one of those future topics because you could argue that going into this current season we're going to need him in the passing game Probably more than we did last year. We'll see. Um, but but all things considered, a great season for the King. So I wanted to highlight that as well. Um, now that's all on the offense. Okay, I, I'm sure there are other things, and I'll, I'll be honest. I know there are other things I could acknowledge. We certainly had a plethora of players that came in and stepped up. You know when we needed them to, based on injury. Um, and we had some of the guys that certainly played well, but you know, just just getting the highlights here. The rest of these are all on the defense, and I have to say that it, it was just incredible. Even though I already knew our defense had a great season last year, to go through and look at some of these stats, look at some of these numbers, especially when you consider uh, how much our defense had struggled the year before. And again, not to compare, not to say we're always trying to build off of something, but. The 2020 season was a joke. I remember watching games then and thinking we could have a third and 99 and the team would probably score a touchdown. We were so unreliable as a defense. And so to come back around, you know, this past season and have such a strong defense uh, was was just incredible. And, and look, you really would expect nothing less from a team coached by a guy like Mike Rabel. We know he's defensive-minded. But, you know, let's be real. It's taken all the seasons he's had with us to get to this point where he finally had, you know, I think you would say the defense that we've been waiting for. I mean, it took four years, 
let's be real. It took four years to really see it come to come to fruition, but you know, it was it was fantastic. So let's highlight some players here. And I think what's also great is that you know, for every team, there are there are specific players that I think your expectation of them is through the roof because of who they are, because of maybe the contract they're on. Kevin Byard is a guy that we really invested in early on. And, you know, you could argue that he hasn't always been consistent. Um, but this last season, I mean, he just was lights out. I mean, I, I, I don't even feel like it's going out on a limb. In my opinion, he was the best at his position last season. Simple as that. Finished the season with five interceptions. He had his first career touchdown, which I have to highlight this because to me it's hilarious. If if you go back and watch the highlights, this happened against Jacksonville, which, God, that, that deserves its own separate podcast, uh, thanks to Urban Meyer. So, anyways. Um, but we're on the road in Jacksonville. Early in the game, Byard picks up a a pass that was either tipped or fumbled and he runs back for a touchdown. What cracks me up is it's his first career touchdown. First one. And the announcers are actually talking as if he got called down at like the four yard line or some shit, which clearly did not happen. And, and I get that, you know, maybe they didn't have the context, but got his first touchdown last season. And even more impressive than that though, he led the team in solo tackles. Now there are a lot of stats you can look at for any player, for any position. I think defensively, that that tackle stat stands out, right? Um, because you want to look at how instinctive a player was, and especially a guy like Bayard. I think what we saw last year was he got freed up a lot more. It, it almost not comparing, but it kind of reminded me of Troy Polamalu, right? Where where Bayard was just this decoy that you really didn't know how he was going to play within the defense. And, you know, at some point we could probably even go more into that because the way we um, sort of disguised our defensive packages was incredible. But but Bayard really, I think, was given a lot of freedom um, and, it, and it paid off. So incredible year for Bayard. Um, and I believe uh, Pro Bowl not as well. Incredibly well-deserved. So that was fantastic. Another guy that I can't help but mention, and you know, if you've if you've listened to past episodes, you know that I'm super high on Harold Landry. Uh, I think he's incredible, and he had himself a hell of a season. He finished with 12 sacks. That's a dirty dozen, folks. It also was the most sacks in the team, uh, and I think you know, you size Landry up, and, you, and and I know that there's arguments for he does so well because of other guys on the on the line on the defense, but. 12 sacks is just is just monstrous. It's fantastic. He also had 51 tackles, so not far off of Bayard. But also wanted to highlight that Landry had 22 quarterback hits. All right? Um, and, you know, not every quarterback hit results in a sack or results in a turnover or even stops a play from happening, right, for the other team. But it shows the hustle. And I think Landry, I remember going into this 2021 season, one of the things that – he talked about for himself was he didn't want to try too many different things from the line. He didn't want to be a guy that was trying too many ways to get past a guy. He wanted to focus on, you know, a handful of moves, a handful of techniques. And I don't know for those listening, I don't know how often you watch clips uh, of the players practicing. And I'm sure that we don't see everything on purpose, but, you know, based on the drills, you know, that that they've run, 
I think you saw that. And it was very evident in how he played that I think he really focused on simple, direct moves to get to the quarterback, and it paid off. Um, another guy that I have to mention that, you know, if we were to make a list of like players that if we had not had them in recent seasons, who the hell knows how things would have gone? David Long. David Long is incredible. And I'm probably sounding a little bit like Jim Rohn. Incredible. But he is. Um, he had a great season despite being banged up at times. He had two interceptions. He had 46 tackles. And he's kind of like he's kind of like Kevin Byard, but in the front lines because he really floats a lot as a linebacker. But he had a fantastic year. Uh, Elijah Molden, I wanted to highlight, was a rookie for us. And, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll get a little bit more into – some aspects that we still need to find ways to improve on. And and those guys covering receivers or, or acting as safeties and corners are going to be in that mix. But Molden had a great season, I really think. Um, and it was also nice because in I remember watching some of the preseason games. Um, he had this particular play where he literally, and I can't recall his height at the moment. I could look it up, but I'm feeling lazy, so I won't. He's a short guy, all right? Let's just leave it at that. He's a tiny little man. Um but he literally ran underneath an offensive lineman and, and got a sack in the preseason. I just remember thinking then, all right, this kid has something. Uh, and sure enough, he did. One interception, 43 tackles on the year. So great year for him. Now this next gentleman uh, that I'm going to highlight, this shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, if you're really a Titans fan, and I'm going to take it further than that, I think if you're just a football fan, because even I can appreciate great players, even if they're not Titans. Um, I don't always like to admit that, but it's true. But Jeffrey Simmons, have yourself a year, son. He finished with eight and a half sacks, 42 tackles, and 16 quarterback hits. Now, again, I, I try to be as neutral as possible because I don't want this to always be just me praising and me just being like, oh my God, everything the Titans do is fantastic because it's not the way. But... The reality is that Simmons had a great year. Um, could we expect more? Should we expect more? Absolutely. But solid year for Simmons. Um, so it was great to see that consistency as well. Another player that really stepped up for us in his first year with the team was Imani Hooker. Now, you know, I know there has been recent talk that they are looking at extending him. And I could see some people being like, it's a bit soon. But he had a great year, and and I think more than that, I think what really stood out and why you're hearing that talk of possibly extending is that he was one of those players that wasn't consistently getting time. But when he stepped in, when he was asked to step in and play, he played well. Um, so he had a, I think he had a great season considering that he had an interception, he had two forced fumbles, and 38 tackles. So again. And I know it's not all stats, um, and I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I'm I'm a coach with the team or understand, you know, what exactly it is that they base players playing on. But it counts for something. He had a great year. I think he showed a lot of hustle. And I think back to this theme, really what you're seeing in all of this from the defense, the instinct that they played with, the really the entire year overall was just fantastic. Um, last few players that I want to highlight – were new additions, and again, can totally understand that maybe the production wasn't what we could have expected or wanted to see happen. Uh, Danico Autry and Bud Dupree, um, and mind you, this is coming off a year where we had brought in 
you know, Jadavian Clowney, and I believe it was Vic Beasley, and those guys just didn't do jack shit. So, so we come back this next season, kind of try to revisit how we're building that defensive front. Autry had nine sacks and 18 quarterback hits, and then Dupree had three sacks and eight quarterback hits. And granted, Dupree was out some, you know, so that's going to have an impact. But all that to say, I think that what was amazing this past season was that we found ways to win games, even games that arguably we weren't supposed to win, right? Um, the offense did enough for the most part at times, had that great win streak, and then the defense is what really came through and stepped up, all right? So that is my take, if you will, because that's what it's called, on what went well for the 2021 season. So coming right up, we're going to switch gears um, and talk about how we struggled and then we'll combine all that into how we ended up losing the divisional round game against the Bengals. Back with more right after this. Now, it's not a comeback if you were here all along, but welcome back to Tune Tone Take. Bradley here with you. Uh, what you're hearing are my handwritten notes. That's how dedicated I am, folks. All right, I hand, I sit down, I spend hours studying to bring you only the best. Um, so we're recapping the 2021 season of the Tennessee Titans, and we just took a stroll down fond memory lane, if you will, talking about what went well. All right, but again, I'm here to be neutral. This isn't just about hyping things up or being unrealistic. So we got to talk about how we struggled. And Lord, did we struggle, all right? Um, trying to think of the best way to like kind of comb through this. The way my brain works and how I try to like to kind of walk through things is I try to do like an overall and then kind of break it down from there. Um, and we can do that. Um, really, when you think about the, the struggles that we had – uh, the offense stands out a lot. And I think it was certainly one of the biggest letdowns of the season as well. I mean, look, we had some great games, some great wins. And again, overall, 12 wins. That's no small feat. Um, but, you know, the offense struggled. Let's be honest. It struggled. It was inconsistent. I mean, we had games where you just literally did not know what to expect, okay? Okay. Um, so we'll start with the offense. Now, this particular stat is one that – and there's a lot of stats out there. I mean, we're seeing more and more every year, I feel like. And, again, stats don't tell the whole story. Um, Titans don't even have people in analytics, which sometimes they get criticized for. But, you know, maybe they're onto something by saying in denial and not doing that. I don't know. Uh, but the reality is stats do tell you at least part of the picture. So when you look at our offense last season – our red zone percentage was 64%. Now, earlier I talked about how our third down conversion percentage was up and it was 44, but I remember if you recall, I said that 44 really doesn't sound great and it's not great. Now, 64 is better than 44, sure. Um, but here's what's, what's, what's sad is previous two seasons, the Titans had a red zone percentage of at least 75%. Okay, so we definitely were not as efficient in the red zone. Um, 
and this is where I'm, I'm, I'm picking my battles in a sense. I mean, we could comb through game after game. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to do that on this particular episode, but we just weren't efficient in the red zone. And it was very frustrating. Uh, one of the things that I didn't highlight now that I think about it in the what, what well aspect was thank God for Randy Bullock. Big Randy. Big Randy. Uh, because it was like so many times we would be in positions to score and we wouldn't score. Uh, touchdowns, that is. So it was frustrating. So that was a big one. Um, the other aspect here, also on the offense, that was uh, not great was the offensive line. Now, again, my brain sometimes thinks of the big picture. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks come and go in our years as Titans fans. Um, and I think especially during the Mariota years, there were times where it was like, if the offensive line could maybe just protect him, he wouldn't get thrown to the ground. Um, Tannehill had had a pretty easy going, if you will, when it comes to that, all right? Uh, but last season was atrocious. We gave up 47 sacks. 47. Like, my brain can't even really handle just saying that out loud. Like, I just think about Tannehill. And look, I think he's tough as hell, and I love that he's our quarterback. But getting sacked 47 times is ridiculous. I don't care who you are. Um, and I don't want him to turn into like Troy Aikman when he's done playing football and just sound like he's so insanely baked that he can't spit out an actual coherent sentence. 47 sacks in a season will probably do that to you, all right? So it wasn't great. And just to, just to give some clarity on how bad that really is, the previous year, we only gave up 24. So that's almost double the sacks uh, from one season to the next. And it was the most we gave up since 2019. Um, so that just wasn't great. And, you know, it's not to take and put responsibility solely on one group of players or position or even a player. One of the things that I think is remarkable about football um, and also bittersweet is that it really is never a – it's not a one-person thing. And I know, yes, you have occasions where like a kicker misses a kick to win the game and then it's like, well, if he had just made the kick. But it's never that simple. And, and you'll hear Vrabel talk about this a lot. Painstakingly, I'm sure for those that don't love him the way that I do – uh, but it, it really does come down to all aspects of the game. It really does. I think I think his typical phrasing of that is all three phases, which people I got. I'm sure people that aren't as type about variable as I am really hate hearing that. But it's true. It's so true. Anyways, these were just things that didn't help. We weren't efficient in the red zone, and we gave up a lot of sacks. Okay. Um, another thing that stood out if you look at our season the schedule and the scoring we had four different games where we only scored 13 points i'm pausing on purpose i'm letting that sink in also selfishly so i can take a drink four games only scored 13 points now everything changes as time goes on football especially has changed in recent years to where it's a scorer's game Let's be honest. I mean, it's become a very offensive-driven game. There are pros and cons to that, yes. But, you know, one of the things that I think we got spoiled to, especially the first couple of seasons that Tannehill was was our quarterback, is 
we were able to score well. I mean, if, if you really think about it, I think if you're honest, and I could dive more into this, I probably will because now that I'm thinking about it, I want to have better data for everyone. But I feel like in this current time of football, if you're not putting up, I'm going to say 22 to 30 points a game, you're probably not winning that game. Like I'm not even accounting for turnovers, for penalties, or anything like that. You gotta score points, and I recognize that that sounds super obvious. This is a whoever scores the most points wins sport. But what I'm getting at is, you've got to be able to consistently put points on the board, and especially, especially when you have the defense that we had last year. And this is where there just wasn't really that consistent balance where. Yeah, we were getting stops. Yes, we were getting sacks. We weren't putting up points. Um, so that aspect was disappointing. Um, and another thing to highlight here is that we were incredibly sloppy with turnovers. And I can only speak for myself. That's part of, again, why this is two-tone take. I'm just giving you my take on things. One of the things that I really struggle with, mind you as a fan, are turnovers. Um and look, sure, there are times where I probably think about it way too simply and my brain is like, that dude is getting paid millions of dollars and he couldn't hang on to the ball. Sometimes it's that. But the reality is that, you know, it's it's a part of the game that's crucial. And we just weren't we just were not good with this. I mean, you don't even have to go too far into our schedule. We started the year with a three turnover game. Two weeks later, guess what? We had a three-turnover game. I mean, we had a couple of weeks where we didn't, you know, a couple of weeks where we only had one, but then there's a five-turnover week. There's a four-turnover week. I mean, we had two different games with four turnovers. It's just, you know, you cannot turn the ball over really at all, but especially multiple times and win. It's it's not – this is where, to me, football is, is different than so many other sports in that – you know, basketball, yes, turnovers happen, you know, but the way points are scored and based on time and possession and shot clock, like you're going to get that back, right? So you're, you're probably have an easier approach in balancing that out. Football, you turn the ball over, you might not get the ball back the rest of the day. Uh, and we just didn't do well with that. So the turnovers were incredibly disappointing. Um, and I think this is something we'll revisit, all right? Because it will be interesting to see, I think, how that's approached going into this season. Again, not meant to build off of one or another, but certainly we cannot turn the ball over the way that we did last year. Now, to highlight someone specifically, and I think the more and more that I think about this, um, this is probably going to deserve its own episode because let's be real. After the way last season ended, I think a lot of people, not to accuse you, listener, but I think a lot of people jumped off that Tannehill bandwagon. And I'm calling it a bandwagon. It's one of the easiest things in life, but especially in sports, is when your team's not doing well, man, is it easy to give that team up. Oh, but then when they're doing well, it's like, ah, oh, that's my team. Those are my boys. And and let's be honest, our, our team was struggling for the most part overall until Tannehill took over. I will say that until I, I'm going to die on the hill. I'm going to die on the Tannehill. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, pun intended, all right? But he struggled last year, okay? Again, being neutral, he struggled. And, you know, we can certainly get more into, like, the ins and outs and everything that influenced that. I talked about the sacks. We're going to get to the injuries here in a moment. 
but Tannehill had 14 interceptions. Now, just to give a little perspective on this, because, you know, maybe you hear 14 interceptions and you're like, is that really a big deal? Well, if you go back and you look at Tannehill's previous seasons as our quarterback, and granted, 2019, he didn't start the entire year. Um, so we'll, we'll do it this way. In 2020, he threw seven, only seven, the entire year. And last year, he threw 14. Um, and this is where I will acknowledge again, we're seeing some stats come through that are interesting. I know there are now stats on quarterbacks throwing the ball and like the percentage or chance that that pass has to be in there. Like there's weird shit out there. Like I kind of love it and I kind of hate it. Um, so I don't have all those nitty gritty details, but the reality is you can't throw 14 interceptions and say it was a good year. It wasn't a good year. I mean, he barely threw more interceptions rather more touchdowns than interceptions. So it just wasn't great. And on top of that, there were not one, not two, but three different games throughout the season where Tannehill threw at least two interceptions. So again, back to that concept of, you know, you got to protect the ball. Um, You have to be efficient. We can't turn the ball over. Uh, So that was painstaking. And I don't want to jump around too much, but I know that in talking about the divisional, game against the Bengals. Um, I think the biggest frustration out of that game were those turnovers um, because they just, they were just soul crushing. Um, but at the same time, this is why I think it's good to recap a season. And the reason is that as painful as those three interceptions were in the divisional round, I think if you're, surprised by that you were kind of being dishonest with yourself we didn't have a great season when it came to protecting the football whether it be fumbles or interceptions we just didn't and I think that sometimes especially with football there's so many different ways you can look at a season you can look at a season and you can base it off of a month and say well this team had a really great September or this team we know is super strong in December whatever but but when you really look at a season there are very often trends that stick with a team throughout the season. And throughout that season, we just weren't great with turnovers. We had weeks where we were better, but overall we weren't great where I just don't think what happened against Cincinnati can really be that much of a surprise. And arguably, it was our demise. Um, so that part wasn't great. Now, the one of the last topics under the how we struggled aspect, okay, um, is around health and injuries. Now, I want to preface this by saying that in no way do I believe that it's an excuse. Um, certainly for our team last year, it was insane. That being said, okay? Now, again, starting overall, this is like one of those things where if I was doing like a stand-up bit, I would ask for crowd participation and it'd be so much fun because I would say, how bad was it? And everybody would be like, uh, 86 plus players were used by the Tennessee Titans in 2021. 86. Um, that's an NFL record. It was not great. It just wasn't great. It was it, painful in literal ways and just painful to experience as a fan and watch. 
Um, now, this is where, though, I do want to – it's tough. I don't want to call players out in the wrong sense, but let's just be honest about it. I mean, for example, we had A.J. Brown. Okay, so A.J. was out for at least four games, struggled with various injuries throughout the season, wasn't really super reliable. Julio Jones. Oh, there's a name. Uh, and, and I mean, I could have added this in, and I probably would have added this in in the what went well aspect. I really honestly think that when we signed him, I thought that we would. Um, but, you know, Hulu just wasn't healthy. I mean, we took a gamble. I loved it. I Even, even now, recording this podcast, I don't have a problem with that gamble. Uh, there have been... I don't know that I should call them rumors, but I've seen a few posts and tweets about like maybe the Titans are just going to re-sign Julio again. Honestly, that wouldn't bother me. Uh, but he just wasn't a healthy guy. He just we did not get prime Julio. I mean, he was out one, two, three. He was out at least six games. Questionable another game, right? And and look, let's be real. Those are our top two wide receivers of the year. Not an excuse, but the reality is when those guys can't go. That's a problem, all right? Um, and it kind of just, I mean, it just threw out the whole team, not just offensively. Um, I mean, we had defensive guys that struggled as well. I know that um, Bud Dupree was coming off injury, and he struggled at times. So injury just found us in ways that were was kind of insane. Um I mean, we got we weren't even a week into the season actually without having guys on IR. That's how bad it was. Um, now, of course, the most popular injury um, that I still kind of can't believe happened, of course, is to our one and only Derrick Henry. Um, and this is something that, as I'm talking about it, probably deserves maybe its own focus or episode. Pardon me while I take a drink. Um, so Derrick Henry coming into this season, I mean, in my opinion, sure, somewhat biased, best running back in the league, um, had led the league in rushing, you know, had the 2000 yard season that people just somehow acted like didn't happen, whatever. Uh, but this season was monstrous. I mean, when you look at what the Titans were doing with Derrick Henry this year, this past year, rather, was insane. So this is where you kind of have to play that game of, did we do it to ourselves? He had almost 1,000 yards, but that was also on 219 attempts, which, if memory serves, was well beyond what other running backs were doing. So we were using him somehow more than we ever had. But we lost Derrick Henry early in the season, just before the game against the Rams. And... I think in a way it's hard to really account for that because Deontay Foreman and Dunchel Hilliard both stepped up really well. Um, and again, I, I probably could have given them more attention. I mean, Foreman got over 500 yards um, and he only started in three games. That's pretty insane. Hilliard added uh, another 350 yards. So they both played well. And, and I think because we stuck to our true run-based selves as a, as a team, really as a franchise – I think it didn't necessarily feel like such a gap, but, you know, injuries were were just a plague last year. Um, 
And so I think that you have to be honest and you have to say that we certainly didn't account for that. We didn't go into last season thinking we were going to give up almost 50 sacks. We didn't think our red zone percentage was going to be down. Uh, we didn't expect Tannehill to struggle the way that he did. And we certainly didn't account for all these injuries, but it happened. And so I think when you consider that, right, and then we kind of put that together with the things that were actually going well, you end up with that divisional game. Um, and I could get more into that specifically, and I even thought about talking about some specific games, but the reality is our previous season, I think if you just kind of paint that picture, take all that information, it, it's exactly what we got. We, whatever we put in was what we got. I mean, we had some standouts. Our defense was incredibly reliable for once, and I think that's crucial because we finally saw that I don't want to call it Vrabel's way because he's not the only guy in there. And I think that Shane Bowen deserves a ton of credit. Um, But I think we finally saw what we've been waiting for uh, from a defense of a Mike Vrabel team. We finally got it, right? That was huge. Um, Say what you want about, you know, the injury happening. But, I mean, Derrick Henry showed that he can still be a dominant force in the league. Um, six-game win streak, and we had some crazy great wins. I mean, we beat Buffalo. We beat Kansas City. We beat the Rams. And I think we had some wins throughout that season and that streak especially that people were like, eh, but we showed up, all right? Um, But as much as things went well, the things that we struggled with ultimately got us, right? And the season ended divisional-wise, which was tough. So... That's the 2021 season. And where do we go from there? How do we bridge that gap and bring it to current times? Well, there's a couple of things that we'll be doing in future episodes prior to training camp starting, okay? Uh, One of the things that we're going to talk about is the offseason, right? And, you know, we had an interesting offseason to say the least, but we'll talk about that. I, I'll admit, I'll acknowledge, I know the A.J. Brown trade is going to be maybe the biggest aspect of that. We'll talk about the draft and kind of what's happening in the offseason. Uh, but I think that between that and where we're coming from, it leaves us with what I'm calling some burning questions. My thought is that I'm probably going to take the questions I've come up with, do one of the old-fashioned, put them in hat games, and just draw them and start answering them as best I can um, and kind of see where it leaves us. And then as we move into training camp, I think it's going to be important to keep an eye on specific players, specific development, um, and, and also I think to really kind of hone in on the coaching. One of the things that I've learned in recent seasons, especially under Vrabel, is that you know everyone's a reflection of everyone else. And yes, the players are the ones that go out there and actually execute, actually play the game. But at the end of the day, like throughout the week and in practices and during the game, you know, they're they're relying on that directive from coaching. And so I certainly want to dive more into what our coaching staff looks like, you know, if it's the right coaching staff, where we're at. So there's going to be a lot of great uh, futuristic talk in that sense. All right. But for today, I'm leaving you with um, – The 2021 season had some highs, had some lows. We did some things well. We struggled in other ways. Uh, Ultimately, we're still here, right? Ultimately, I'm still an incredibly proud Titans fan. If you looked at my closet, you would see that the ratio is off between, like, 
Titans apparel and like street clothes. So I have considerably more Titans apparel than I do street clothes. I'm not necessarily bragging. That probably is not great because I'm not actually on staff with the team or a football player, but it is what it is. Okay. Um, but I'm still a proud fan. I'm very excited about this next season. Even with everything that's happened, and we'll get more into that in future episodes, but I, I still believe that we have the right ownership, we have the right coach, we have the right quarterback, and we have playmakers on both sides of the ball. And so that's what we'll get more into leading up to training camp. And then once training camp starts, I think it'll be great uh, to recap and follow along there as we lead up to this next season of football, which, by the way, we're under 60 days. So if you don't have a countdown going for football, first question, how dare you? Second question, what's wrong with you? Start that countdown. We're less than 60 days away from a new season of Titans football, and you can follow it all along the way here with me, Bradley, your MC, Fearless Leader of Two-Tone Take. It's a Titans podcast. Really appreciate you listening.